I would say pick your category wisely. Look for the opportunities where there's something really unique, but you're also not training people to just buy this completely brand new thing that no one's ever heard of. So for us, you know, you may not know what A2 is, you may not know what regenerative is, but you know what ice cream is. Um, and you know what good ice, you, you most likely know that you enjoy really good tasting ice cream. And then I think understanding the financial aspect of the business is so critical. Understanding your unit economics, what your margins are, what can you sell into the retailer? What is the retailer going to price it at based on the price that you sell to the distributor? And how do you make all that work? Because it will take longer and it will cost more than you think it will. Uh, I do think ice cream with healthy fats, you know, and when consumed in correct portions can be a part of a balanced diet. I mean, I'm a former college athlete and I ate a lot of ice cream throughout my life. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Well, we talk about food, and I think it's about time we talk about delicious food. And sometimes you have to do something to that food other than just have it be organic or regenerative. And and my guest today has done something to it. He's helping bring something that's delicious to the table, and it has a regenerative story, a sustainability story. And and I want to welcome Alec Jaffe. Alec. So I'm excited about talking to you, Alec, because you're involved with one of my favorite foods ice cream <laughs> who doesn't love ice cream i know well okay now try to put this all together for me will you because we've got people listen to farm to table talk that are interested in how food is produced uh, but i also assume it's people that are interested in either preparing food um or in you know enjoying food and they want it to be delicious and and i'm one of those people that i look forward to the ice cream stage now, yeah Tie it all together for me. How do you find yourself in a position like this, connecting regenerative agriculture, sustainability, delicious ingredients, and so forth, and ice cream? So it all started back when I was a kid. Um, we had a class project in elementary school where we had to make something at home and bring it into class present to present how we made that, whatever we made. Uh, in my house, we grew up eating a lot of ice cream. And so I figured, why not teach myself how to make it? Uh, I also grew up around family members really involved in sustainable agriculture and food systems and agroecology. And they actually had a, a small dry farm vineyard uh, and orchard in uh, the Cuyama Valley of California, um, just on the other side of the mountains by Santa Barbara. And um, so I grew up going there for family reunions every Thanksgiving and learning about um, these types of things in, in sustainable agriculture. So uh, I had those two background experiences. And then fast forward to after college, uh, where I was working at a tech startup, startup was shutting down. I was thinking about what I wanted to do next with my life, start experimenting with some ice cream recipes in my kitchen, making you know stuff for friends and family. And it hit me that why is there no ice cream that is really tying this amazing, unique flavors and taste to sustainable sourcing and talking about 
where the food is coming from and how it's being made. Uh, so that really kickstarted that journey for me. You know, it's interesting. One thing that you you caught my attention there, where you talk about doing something else for a while and then getting back into the into the food chain here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people they they talk about maybe they're in high tech and they decide to be farming themselves. And it's interesting that you had that reference where you knew at agroecology and you saw some farming operations and you were also at a stage that you're going to pursue something else. And man, when people say they're going to go after what they love, few have in mind quite as uh, ideally as you did and say, it's, it's ice cream. <laughs> you you, make, yeah. you re- make me rethink my own career path. I think, why, what was I thinking? I should have done, <laughs> I should have done ice cream. Yeah. So did you have, did you have to quit the other job or did you start doing this on the side? I uh, started, you know, just noodling with different ideas on the side and then the company um ended up shutting down. So they made the decision easy. Um and uh I was just really at that point in a transition period of my career and thinking about what I wanted to work on next. Um so tried a variety of different things and then uh, landed on ice cream and I, you know, it's, it's a product that is just a passion of mine. And I'm, I'm the friend who, when we're out to dinner, I drag everyone to walk to the ice cream shop a few blocks down the street, just because I want to go check it out. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an easy product for me to get excited about. Well, I want to hang out with you too. I, I like friends <laughs> to have me go down the street and try out some, some, yeah, some ice why not? I, I want to go back to this inspiration stage, though. Yeah, because you're thinking about what you're going to do next. How, how did you go about that? Did you start? You know, do you get some friends together? Do you um, do you, you whiteboard? Do you go on long walks? Do you do research? I mean, when did the light go off and you say, "Okay, this is what I'm. This is a passion that I'm going to pursue." Yeah. So i I started just a lot of experiments. And so I was just making different products in my kitchen at home and seeing what I liked, what I didn't like, taking a lot of notes on different recipes of what worked, what didn't work. Um, And so I guess it'd be a lot of concepting and prototyping and also talking to people um, about what they liked, what they didn't like about certain products or ideas. And I, I went everything from software to ice cream and some things in between. So I really was doing a pretty wide exploration of what I wanted to do. Um, And then, yeah, I was making products, test recipes for friends and family, getting their feedback uh, and just continually doing that until I landed on something that people really loved. And, you know, that it's a, it's a fun phase to be in because it's just, it's all potential. There's so much in front of you. Um, And yeah, so it was just a lot of experimenting. You know, it lead to sometimes all of a sudden at 11 p.m. I like jump out of bed and feel like, oh, let me try that sample again. What what did I like? What did I not like about it? Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun phase. So do you start off in your own kitchen or do you get a commercial yep. kitchen to work in? So I started off in my own kitchen, uh, just with a small batch freezer. You could buy it on Amazon, you know, it's not nothing special. Um, and then from there. Fast forward to, okay, I have my my flavors that I really like. I think I want to turn this into a business. Then I start going out trying to talk to co-packers to see if someone will make the product for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I wanted to do a wholesale product, sell something in stores. And so go that route and run into a lot of roadblocks. Just even to do an organic ice cream was pretty challenging. Um, Co-packers weren't really interested in processing organic, especially, you know, you're a tiny business that tiny bit. We weren't even, we hadn't started. We were just trying to see if someone would make our first production run. And they're like, ah, you know, that like to do an organic run, then we have to do all the organic operating procedures and you want to make, you know, a pretty small amount. It's a, it, it just wasn't really going to work. Or if, it, if we, they were going to work with us, there were going to be a lot of restrictions around it. Um, and for us, with our product being the first regenerative organic ice cream using A2, A2 dairy, uh, we can't have a lot of restrictions on our supply chain um, if we want to make the product that we want to make. And so... What's, a, what's an A2 dairy? Yeah. So A2 is a milk protein found in all mammals, milk, cows, humans, goats, sheep, uh, cows a long, long time ago, as they started getting bred for, um, more industrial agriculture, um, they created a variant of that A2 protein, which is called an A1 protein. And that A1 protein has a different structure, digests differently in the human stomach. And studies have shown it link, links to a lot of lactose intolerance-like symptoms when people consume dairy. Uh, so that's the A1 protein. And just about every conventional dairy product that you find in the market, and conventional, not meaning organic, most organic, pretty much all organic dairy products you find in the market are also going to have this A1 protein. Um, but we work with a, a farm, Alexander Family Farm. Um, and we source our dairy directly from them and their herds all naturally have the A2, A2 genetics. So it's like if you're born with blonde hair, or brown hair, some cows produce A1 milk, some cows produce A2 milk. Um, and so all the dairy that we're getting contains that A2 protein. And it's really cool. A lot of people who struggle with dairy, they come up to us and be like, well, I haven't eaten ice cream in, in years, or I never can eat ice cream. And I eat ice cream, your ice cream and I feel great. Um, so it allows a lot of people to enjoy ice cream again, uh, which is really cool. So you know, let me stop you for a second there. So you've got the inspiration. Yep. You're going to do something different. You pursue what you love. You you find some ways to do ice cream. Then you start finding places that you might be able to put the ice cream to you know make the ice cream. Yep. And then, but now now let's go to kind of sourcing. So yep. one of them is, is going to be talking about milk. Milk's not the only thing you got. So uh, how do you start lining that up that, you, that you're picking out the sources that you're going to be to be able to the, the ice cream that you're producing? Yeah. So one uh, big detail that I skipped over is so we were talking to all the co-packers, very hard to find a situation that works for us. We end up finding a shutdown ice cream factory in Sonoma County, California, um, and move into that it's a 4200 square foot facility you know not not big by any means on a food production facility basis um move in there in january of 2020 right before the pandemic uh, and really teach ourselves myself my younger brother zach um and his friend from college steven and we just figure out how to run a small ice cream plant basically um and 
So we also use to get to your ingredients question. Um, you know, we have regenerative organic cane sugar. We have organic egg yolks. Um, it, it really requires us building up our own supply chain and work finding these suppliers. You know, it's it's not like we're just putting in a purchase order to a co-packer and say, hey, like make us a pint of vanilla. Uh, it's a lot more complex than that. Uh, so it's taken a lot of work of building relationships directly with far- with farmers and suppliers and building up this network of of uh, ingredients that we that we use for our products. Now the cane sugar has got to be coming from a ways away, but I assume the dairy is fairly close by. Yeah, the dairy is uh, in Northern California. They're in the in Del Norte County, which is in Crescent City, basically. Mm-hmm. So did they deliver to you or do you have to go uh, or do you go out there and pick up the milk? They do. They deliver to us. Oh, that's great. And yeah. Now, are they does that come every every week or how often do you getting the milk in to to work with? Yeah, about weekly. You know, it varies depending on our production volume um, and seasonality and all that. But I would say around weekly. So if you're going to make a batch of ice cream, I don't know. I can't even imagine what this is like when you, you get into the ultimately into the packaging and so forth. But is it is it what I mean, is it a ton or is it 100 pounds or is, you know, the, when you're running, uh, say, OK, we're working on this flavor. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with making our base mix, which is um, our cream, skim milk, egg yolks, cane sugar, um, a little bit of guar gum and locust bean gum. And then we will pasteurize that. We typically pasteurize and and we do a vat pasteurization. So low temperature pasteurization. Um, And then we'll, that will create our our ice cream mix that we can then flavor. So if we're making vanilla, we'll put in our uh, organic Tahitian vanilla extract. Um, And then from there, we try to run around thousand gallon batch sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll run that through our continuous freezer with vanilla. There's no inclusion. So it's really easy. It goes from the continuous freezer into our cup filler, cup filler fills it and shoots it out. Then it gets wrapped into a case pack and put in the freezer to harden. And then when you've got uh, freezers with ice cream in it, uh, I imagine you can market that for a while, right? I mean, when you make up ice cream, it's was is it like maybe almost a year that it's fine? Or I've had ice cream fine for a year. Well, that's a lie. Actually, I've never had ice cream. It lasts very long because I eat it. But. Exactly. Uh, yeah, ice cream can last a long time because so our storage freezers are at negative twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're keeping something at minus twenty degrees Fahrenheit, you can hold it for a really long time. Um, our shelf life is two years. So it, but the tricky thing about ice cream is, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk about ice cream and it's a really fun product, but it comes with quite a bit of logistical challenges. Uh, one of them being that it is constantly changing structure as it goes through temperature changes. And so that shelf life will differ when it goes from our storage freezer into like your home freezer, which is typically at zero degrees. Um, yeah. so that's where you see a lot. Sometimes people will see the like ice crystals build up on their ice cream that's been in the freezer for too long. 
that's just because it's going through these temperature shocks um, when you open and close the freezer. Um, and it's, it's the water content from the ice cream defrosting and refreezing over and over and over again. And you get these ice crystals. Now, you have to, by law, don't you, put um, calories on the, on the packaging? <laughs> they, do, they do require that, yes. And, and who does that for you? I mean, how do you figure that out? The, I don't really want to know usually as how many calories yeah. <laughs> in ice cream, but uh, but it seems like they all have to have those labels on them. So, mm -hmm. so there are some, yeah, there are some online programs you can use to uh, to just calculate your your nutritional profile based on your recipe and the ingredients that, that are being used. Well, you do some promotion about your product to, to make make you happy, you know, and, and yeah. it certainly does make me happy. There's there's probably an awful, not a lot of nutritional benefits uh, other than happiness, really, with ice cream because of the high calorie count, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not selling the product as a, a health food. Um, so from that sense, no, but I, I do think that there are you know, it is interesting when you look at ice cream, um, the quality of the ingredients that are being used to make the ice cream. Mm -hmm. So our dairy, because it is cows out on pasture in an organic regenerative system, that dairy is going to be no more nutrient dense. It's going to have, um, mm -hmm. more omegas, more CLAs, you know, just a higher quality of milk. Um, and so well, no, like I wouldn't say that, you know, this is going to, this is going to replace your daily multivitamin. Um, I think when you look at quality of indulgence, uh, I do think ice cream with healthy fats, um, you know, and when consumed in correct portions can be a part of a balanced diet. I mean, I'm a former college athlete and I ate a lot of ice cream <laughs> throughout my life. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting it's too, because when you're sourcing your organic regenerative, like the milk and up in Northern California, those cattle are grazing rather than being in dry lot, right? So just the process that they're out there grazing on pastures, that there's going to be higher omega three, right. Than, yeah. than usually in dry lot produced milk. Yeah. There there's science out there that measure that talks about this, that shows that dairy coming from grass fed pasture raised sources are going to be more nutrient dense. Um, yeah, Alec, we've, again, we've talked about the inspiration. You've made the move. You've figured out how to make ice cream. You've found a vacated plant in Sonoma County. You're producing producing the ice cream. has to go into packages. You have to decide how you're going to go to market. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you came up with Alec's ice cream, which seems <laughs> to be, yeah, I, I kind of get it, how you could come up with that name. Yeah. But the packaging and everything else, how did you go about deciding how you were going to be kind of going to market, what your facing would be? Yeah, it's a really challenging process because you're as a small brand, your packaging is the biggest touch point you have with shoppers and people who are interacting with, with your product and your brand. Mm -hmm. We don't have the money for a major national ad campaign. And so you really want to think about 
what is going to grab your attention on shelf, what is going to quickly communicate what the product is about, what are the benefits, why should I buy this ice, why should I buy Alex ice cream over what every other brand that's on the freezer shelf. Um, and then how do you make packaging that accomplishes those first two things, but also has a soul behind it that gets you to really believe in this brand that, you know, oh, I want to support Alex ice cream. So thinking about those three elements um, were things that were really important to us as we went through the process and challenge of communicating the, the mission behind regenerative agriculture, the functional benefits of A2 dairy, and just wanting you to feel like, oh, this is going to be a delicious, indulgent treat. Um, and it, it's hard because if you go too far on the sustainability or the functional side, people may think you're sacrificing indulgence because that's typically what people have done in the ice cream category. You're usually taking something away um, to emphasize a benefit. You know, you're to create a low calorie ice cream, you're taking away taste, basically. Um, and so for us, it's like we are being additive. Our sustainability and functional ingredients may help us make a better tasting product. Um, and so how do you make sure that comes across? Because at the end of the day, with ice cream, people want good tasting, indulgent, delicious ice cream. You know, sugar's got to be involved here somehow. And you've chosen to use cane sugar. And that's another sourcing issue then. Because uh, a lot of ice cream, I would imagine, uses high fructose corn syrup instead yep. of sugar cane. And, and does that, is, is that cost more, uh, you know, than high fructose corn syrup? Which, again, is probably an ingredient and in, in an awful lot of your competition. Yeah, uh, we use regenerative organic certified cane sugar. Um, so it is definitely a lot more expensive than uh, the corn syrup being used in a lot of other products. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of it. That's part of what you have to work with when you're doing things for more than, you know, just dollars and cents. And we have a real uh, belief in what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, it, but it does cost more. So when you're at that stage, you've got the product, you know what it tastes like, you've, you've got a great story behind the in, the ingredients, and you're deciding how you're going to be presenting yourself and packaging yourself. Uh, did you hire a marketing agency, or did you get a, or a bunch of you get around the table brainstorming? Did you do a focus group? How, how did you get down to the point saying, okay, now we're all in agreement. These are the best ideas, and this is what uh, we're going to put on our packaging, our website, and so forth. Yeah, we worked with an awesome design agency um, called Hatch in San Francisco, and they did they do great work, and so they helped us put together this packaging design, uh, and we're really happy with, with how it, it came out. Actually, just won an award in Dyeline, which is kind of the big packaging publication uh, and website. And they had their annual packaging awards and we won for uh, the best new packaging for the dairy and plant-based dairy or plant-based uh, plant dairy alternative uh, category. Um, so that was cool to see. 
Well, people are wondering, how do you come up with these guests, Roger? Well, I've, I've tasted your ice cream. <laughs> Actually, uh, I met you because there you were at an event by the Sacramento Food Co-op had taken over a park, and, and you were there providing samples of your ice cream. And we spoke yeah. there, and I had had uh, uh, granddaughters with me and they tried it and thought it was delicious too. And I got your card and it was an interesting, interesting story. So I do know your product gets to market and I do know your product tastes, tastes great. Thank so, you. but how do you do that? I mean, so you've got the packaging, you've got the product. Um, and then how do you get yourself into these stores? Mm -hmm. now, now I do know like the co-op and co-ops in other areas too. Um, are pretty particular about sourcing. And so I think that they are much more receptive to something, someone coming in with a good story like regenerative or sustainable and, and that sort of thing. But getting it out the door and getting getting it onto the shelves and into the freezer cases of, of the of retailers, how did that come about? We we grew in in phases. So we started, I mean, very, very early with me delivering to a handful of retailers around the Bay Area. So I would pull up with a cooler and dry ice and drop off some cases and stock the shelves myself. Uh, then we quickly found a local distributor. They helped us expand our reach around the Bay Area. And then from there, we you know just started, we started working with a broker, uh, which, a lot of times brands will work with brokers because they have relationships with retailers. They have a, a field team, um, you know, across the country. So it, it allows you to reach all these different markets and territories without having to build your own internal sales team. Um, so we started working with a broker, started working with the larger distributors and slowly, but surely, you, you know, you, uh, pick a retailer, one retailer picks you up, it opens up a new region. And then all of a sudden we can sell into all these other retailers around that, um, one larger retailer in the region. Um, so it's kind of just like a piece by piece game of picking up new retailers and opening up new markets. Um, but there's a big learning curve too. I mean, there's, there's a whole side of the business around promotions and what we call trade spend. Um, and how you fund discounts and other programs in store um, that a lot of people don't really know about, or they it, you wouldn't really think about until you're at, fully in the business. Well, yeah, and and so if you look at the store, when I look at just at ice cream, there's what seven or eight, or maybe different different brand names of different yeah, ice creams. At least, so yeah. how do you get the best space? Do you have <laughs> To how do you um, do you have to pay more to somehow to get at eye level versus down in the bottom somewhere? We've never no, we've never paid for actual placement like that. Um, typically, there will be a, a placement deal that you'll sell into, and with co-ops and what's called the natural channel. So think Whole Foods, Sprouts, and kind of smaller retailers than that. Um, you'll typically sell in with a free, uh, it's called a free fill. And so you'll give them one free case per flavor per store. Uh, and now that can add up quite a bit when you're talking about retailers with hundreds of stores. Um, so that's typically what you do for other retailers. You'll pay what's called slotting and that's a dollar fee 
that you same deal, you know, X amount of dollars per item per store um, to go to get slotted onto the shelf, basically. Uh, and then you work with the retailer and that's where it's helpful to have retail buyers that the, you know, the buyers that actually work for the retailer that are really passionate and believe in what you're doing as a new brand and want to try and set you up for success as best as they can. Um, and so having those good relationships with buyers is critical. Now, do you have to put a, a best buy date on, on all the packaging too? You do. And so what happens if, if something got pushed to the back and, and, and was beyond that date, when does that get cleared and does, and, and how does that communicate it to you? So if, uh, if that happens, typically the distributor will charge you back for it and or say like, hey, do you want to pick this up? And it's like close to expiration. Do you want to pick it up and try and sell it at a kind of clearance retailer? Or do you want to just donate the product uh, to a food bank, let's say? Um, if it's past expiration, then you're just kind of stuck with having to destroy it, um, unfortunately. But in your case, so again, with ice cream, it can be at least, you know, what, over a year? For... Yeah, yeah, we've got a while. So we have bigger problems if all of our product is, is expiring. So, so what are some of your other problems? What are the challenges, the biggest challenges that you're finding you face? Because you've, again, you've got, a, you've got a really good product, you've got the distribution, you got, you're starting to get it out and around. So uh, what keeps you awake at nights? Um velocities and cash flow. Uh, so yeah. Those are the two the two biggest things and so velocities that's industry term for basically your sell through rate in stores. So how quickly how many in our case how many pints per week um per store are people going in and, and picking up. Mm -hmm. And that's really just such a huge multiplier for the business. You can for growing a, a food business, you can think about it in two ways. You can either open up more stores and get into more and more retailers, or you can grow your velocities and go from one pint sold per week to two pints to three pints. And growing the velocities is such a powerful multiplier because if you're able to achieve that, when you go into these other stores, um, you're going to have a stronger base to work off of. Um, so that's one thing that is a huge focus point for us. Now that we have all this distribution, we have proof points from consumer surveys that people love our product from sell-through data. We're the fastest growing organic ice cream brand in the country, and we're number two in sales in the natural channel um, for organic. Um, so you know we have proof points that people <laughs> like what we're doing. And now it's about how do we scale that within the stores that we're in. Um, before we start expanding into larger box retailers like a Kroger, let's say, or a Target or a Walmart. Um, and that's, then cash flow. Oh, that's impressive. Thanks. That's impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we. Uh, it, was, it was really exciting to see some of those stats come in because this year was really our first big year of growing the business and getting new distribution. So to see that we are, you know, rapidly, um, we're, we're the... 12th highest selling ice cream pint in the country within the natural channel. Um, second highest in dollar sales grown from last year to this year. 
uh, in the country. So we're really seeing the brand start to take off. Um, at the same time, as a manufacturer, it's very expensive to do what we do. And managing cash and cash flow is, like any startup, critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the two things that it's like, okay, grow, 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 but also manage cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is somebody out on the road that's seeing retailers for you or calling on the distributors? So the brokers will do that. So we have a national broker that we work with. Um, and then I'm personally managing sales. So when we meet with retailers, um, that's that's something that I do. So when you have a meeting with a retailer right now, what's what do you point out uh, that's you know kind of best experience? You know, this is what works. Uh, and this is, if you try this, we're pretty sure this is the kind of result you could expect. What, what are those? Yeah. So a lot of it's around placement. Um, and given how many unique attributes we have, retailers sometimes struggle to know where to put our product because the A2 dairy they're like, oh, should we put you with all the other functional ice creams and we'll put you next to the low calorie and the keto and the plant-based? Like, well, no, because we're still a full fat, indulgent ice cream. The person who's buying Halo Top doesn't want to buy our ice cream. It's a different, it's a different customer. Um, and same with if you're, you know, there are about 25% of plant-based ice cream shoppers are buying for digestion. So there are a decent amount of plant-based ice cream shoppers who are interested in what we're doing. Um, But the majority of the people, we like to put ourselves next to other premium dairy pints. And so put us there, ideally give us a full shelf so we have a nice brand presence. Um, And then we set up a promotion plan where we do discounts, we do demos um, to drive trial, get people to try the product. And that usually will lead to success. What about restaurants and institutions? Is that an opportunity too? It is. It's actually something that we are getting started now. Um, we have our first restaurant in San Francisco carrying our ice cream and serving it on their dessert menu. It's a new restaurant that just opened called uh, Choto Mate. It's a uh, Peruvian Nikkei style restaurant. Um, to a grocery store in, in Marin County called Good Earth Natural Foods is going to be a uh, selling scoops of our ice cream. They're actually the first retailer to ever carry our pints. Um, and now they're going to be the first grocery store to ever uh, do scoops of our ice cream. Um, they're an awesome uh, retailer in Marin County. And uh, yeah, we're in talks with some other restaurant chains as well about getting some programs set up. So uh, that's definitely a new initiative that we're looking to expand. Yeah. And then back to the farms. So they, uh, the, the, the farmers should be proud of where their milk is going. <laughs> Uh, the, I would imagine you're using yeah. significant quantities of milk now from those farm or from that particular farm that you're getting in. So- uh, yeah, we are. We're not. Uh, th- they have a pretty decent size, uh, decent size operation up there. Um, but yeah, we're we're slowly becoming a larger, a larger customer of theirs. So if somebody's thinking about getting a product line started. What do you advise them? Is somebody, I mean, you've gone down this road now and you had a vision and a dream and you've taken it all the way into into market and you're having a, a lot of progress is being made for you. So what advice do you have to others that are thinking about trying to do the same thing? 
I would say pick your category wisely. Look for the opportunities where there's something really unique, but you're also not training people to just buy this completely brand new thing that no one's ever heard of. So for us, you know, you may not know what A2 is, you may not know what regenerative is, but you know what ice cream is. Um, and you know what good ice, you, you most likely know that you enjoy really good tasting ice cream. And then I think understanding the financial aspect of the business is so critical. Understanding your unit economics, what your margins are, what can you sell into the retailer? What is the retailer going to price it at based on the price that you sell to the distributor? And how do you make all that work? Because it will take longer and it will cost more than you think it will. <laughs> For nine times out of 10. Good advice. And I tell you, talking about this makes me appreciate my ice cream even more. And I appreciate yeah. your ice cream. And people want to find your ice cream. Where do they look? So we're nationwide in Whole Foods and Sprouts. So that's that's an easy one. Um, a lot of other retailers like Fresh Market, Natural Grocers. Um, if you go to our website, alexicecream.com, that's A-L-E-C-S, icecream.com. We have a store locator there as well, where you can plug in your address and uh, it'll show you stores near you um, that carry our products. Well, I tell you what, I, I really enjoy hearing about your journey and wish you the best and appreciate your taking the time to share the, your journey with me on Farm to Table Talk. Thanks, Alec Jaffe. Yeah, thank you for having me. been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 